Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with the scripture reading and a message. We would love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins on the corner of Napa and Hopkins. Or if you connect with our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley. sojourning with the Methodists. Did you know there's a doorbell up here? (laughs) I'm going to be reading from Daniel today, um, selected verses from chapter 7. If you want to follow in your pew Bible, it's in the Old Testament on page 828. A little background, Daniel was one of the prophets uh, in the book of Daniel. I remember always where Daniel is because my... uh, uh, Sunday school teacher, or my mother, taught me I.J. Led was the books that followed Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, so this is the D. Uh, this was written around 530 or so B.C. Um, and uh, in this particular passage, uh, Daniel has a dream and recounts the dream in great detail. So we're going to skip the recounting in great detail part of the dream uh, and read the part before and the part after. So if you want to read the dream, you have to read the intervening verses on your own. Okay, I'm reading from the um, New Revised Standard. In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream. We've all done that. I, Daniel, saw in my vision by night the four winds of heaven stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came out of the sea different from one another. Now we're going to skip all the detail and jump to um, verse 15. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was troubled within me, and the visions of my head terrified me. I approached one of the attendants to ask him the truth concerning all this, so he said that he would disclose to me the interpretation of the matter. 
quote, as for those four great beasts, four kings shall arise out of the earth, but the holy ones of the most high shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Today is All Saints Day. We've got the pictures and photographs of our loved ones who have departed. We'll be raising up the names of those in our communion who have passed away in this last year. It's a time for us to remember that we hold on to a handrail of faith that stretches back millennia and stretches forward into eternity. I've been thinking about three years ago this last week when I was in the Holy Land, Israel-Palestine, as part of an interfaith peace delegation. It was my first time there, and I dreamed of visiting this, this, this beautiful land, this place where Jesus was born and walked and ministered where he was crucified and then rose, where the mothers and fathers of our faith lived and walked. Our delegation took off from Washington, D.C. and flew from, uh, through London and then landed in Tel Aviv. And we headed uh, by bus to Jerusalem. I was not unprepared for the fact that what we call the Holy Land is now essentially a war zone. As the state of Israel and indigenous Palestinians battle for control of this very special place. But as we rolled toward the old city and our hotel in East Jerusalem, which is um, largely Palestinian and Muslim, I was struck by the violence that crackled from every street corner practically, where there was a, a, an, a group of armed 19-year-olds in the Israeli Defense Forces. Jerusalem, of course, literally means city of peace. Jeru means city. Salam is peace. But the scene that encountered us upon arriving felt far from peaceful. And I wonder if any of you who have traveled to the Holy Land have also been struck by this incredible dissonance. Since the 1967 Arab-Israeli War, East Jerusalem has been occupied by Israel, as has the West Bank and other parts of Palestine. The international community considers this an illegal occupation under international law. Israel disputes this interpretation. After Israel itself, the U.S. is the largest funder of the Israeli military. As U.S. citizens, our, delegations, our delegation, which included Jews and Christians, was in Israel to express our opposition to this funding, to organize with other activists, and to further our hope for peace. Our delegation was led by three persons. First, Tali Ruskin, a Jewish activist, a rabbi's daughter from Baltimore, young woman, about early 30s, who is clear that the work for the rights of Palestinian people was a way to reclaim the core of her Judaism and carry out the Jewish obligation of tikkun olam, to heal the world. She was the most articulate at explaining that 
working for Palestinian rights and anti-Semitism are not the same thing. And our group was also led by Craig and Cindy Corey, parents of Rachel Corey. You may know Rachel's story. Rachel was a 23-year-old from Olympia, Washington, a volunteer with the International Solidarity Movement who was killed standing in front of an Israeli bulldozer attempting to block it from flattening a Palestinian home. Instead, the bulldozer proceeded, ignoring Rachel in her bright orange vest. Rachel Corey has become a Palestinian martyr and it was not uncommon on our trip to encounter her face graffitied on walls or her name referenced in street poetry. Her parents, Craig and Cindy, formerly an insurance man and a community volunteer, took up Rachel's cause upon her death, suing the Israeli government and advocating for Palestinian rights. And now Craig and Cindy have become heroes to the Palestinian people in their own right. On All Saints Day, we were in the city of Hebron. In Christian tradition, All Saints Day is a time during which Christians lift up those who have struggled in faith to do good and to be the body of Christ on earth and in death have joined the church triumphant. In Palestine, this takes on special meaning, even though most Palestinians are Muslim. There, those who have died resisting the occupation live on in those who continue to struggle for justice and freedom. But Hebron City is a, is a, is a particular place in Palestine, a particularly devastated place. It's known also as simply Ghost Town. Fifteen years ago, there was a massacre in the city's mosque by American-born Barack Goldstein, which killed 29 and injured 125 more. It resulted in Hebron City being put on lockdown by the Israeli military to protect the 800 Israeli settlers who lived there, even though the victims of the massacre were Palestinian. To walk in the old city of Hebron is to feel the presence of souls who used to fill the paths, seeing friends and family, buying special gifts or daily food, just living life. But now the streets are empty. And it was clear to our group why Hebron is known as Ghost Town. In the cruelness of this lockdown, the center of life for the community which was uh, Shahada Street, was cut off. And the healing that can come from being together and participating in the regular activities of daily living was prevented. Military checkpoints proliferated and lockdowns have persisted, negatively affecting the lives of roughly 500 Jews and significantly and adversely affecting the 200,000 Palestinians who still live in Hebron. Violence has begotten more violence. So this main street in Hebron City, Shahada Street, this once bustling street is now deserted. And as we started up Shahada Street, the graffiti that faced us said, this is Palestine, fight ghost down, open Shahada Street in red English script. A few kids asked for money, selling bracelets and embroidered purses, 
we gave small donations and bought a few things and a few shopkeepers saw our group and opened up their shops. We talked to them about their lives and provided a small amount of business. It was cold and misty, the mood very eerie. Our scripture today from the book of Daniel is set in the Babylonian exile around the sixth century before the common era. The stories in the book of Daniel follow Daniel, a young Jew trying to maintain his faith and his religious identity in the face of a world-dominating power. It was a time of geopolitical turmoil, not unlike our times today. And the dream, which is in our scripture today, which you heard Marty read, reflects all of this turmoil. Hear these words again. I, Daniel, saw in my vision by night the four winds of heaven, stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was troubled, and the visions of my head terrified me. I approached one of the attendants and asked him to tell me the truth, all of this, and so he said he would enclose the interpretation of the matter. As for these four great beasts, he said, four kings shall arise out of the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. The four great beasts and the four great kings in the dream symbolized the four great empires of that time who struggled against each other, the Neo-Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, and the Greeks. Isn't it amazing how 2,500 years later, we are still struggling with other nations, causing untold suffering as powers seek to dominate? Isn't it amazing how more than 2,500 years later, we still live in a context where we struggle to be faithful, to act in ways that bring about justice for all of our siblings? As we heard in Anne of Ladle's invocation offered by David this morning, it can feel exhausting sometimes and overwhelming. But the scripture from Daniel ends with these words, the holy ones of the Most High will possess the kingdom and live forever and ever. What might seem like an endless struggle is actually life. And it leads to life eternal. To struggle to be faithful, to work for peace and the security of others is life. In fact, it is not just what makes life on earth meaningful, but it is the pathway to the life everlasting. God, the ancient one, the most high, has been present since the beginning of time, is with us now and ever will be. Daniel, a young Jew who lived 2,500 years ago, who struggled to maintain his religious tradition in the face of dominating powers, lives on in us, who miraculously know his story. We receive the baton of faith from him, seeking to stay faithful ourselves in a world that tries to pull us into violence, into domination, or sometimes just into complaining or lack of gratitude or distraction. On that All Saints Day in Hebron City, at the end of the street, we came upon a cafe 
called the Rachel Corey Cafe. Its outside walls and the storefront were adorned with images of the 23-year-old from Olympia, Washington, but its front was shut with a roll-up metal door. We stood there quietly, reverently, looking at the images, the weight of the day heavy. But someone recognized Cindy and Craig Corey, Rachel's parents, and ran to get the shopkeeper. And within minutes, the shop was open for us and full of light, and our whole group was given coffee. The coldness and the heaviness of the day melted in the conversation, the connection, and the shelter, and in the smooth and rich, warm Arabic coffee going down our throats. Where there had been a chill and a closed shop front, there was suddenly warmth and life again. On Shahada Street, the veil between past and present and future became thin. And interestingly, Shahada is the Arabic word for martyr. Those we have lost were with us. Rachel was certainly with us that day, and those from the future showed up for a minute with life and hope, born out of persistence and sacrifice and solidarity. What was ghost town became saint's town as we communed with those who from their labors rested and brought to us the assurance that ultimately somehow, in some way, peace would reign on earth. As we celebrate All Saints today, we recall the life effort of all of the faithful. Some were martyrs, and some were people who just showed up at the home of a friend in need, came regularly to worship, and bore witness to a God who will never abandon us. They are mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, sons, daughters, friends, faithful. And they are with us today and always. How could this not be true when we, Christians, living in California, bear witness to the life of a young Jew living in Palestine 2,500 years ago? Praise God for the saints of old and for the saints of today. May we be faithful to their memories, receiving the baton they pass to us, seeking peace and demanding justice. Let us gather around the table and know we are in communion with all the saints, past, present, and future. Amen. Amen.